The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masichet Sota has been dedicated by our good friends and Talmud, Mr. Haimi and Dina Dana, for the success of their children and especially the Fuashirema Moshe Ben Dina. Today's daf is being studied in honor of our dear friend, Mr. Morris Dweck. Thank you for your continued support and hard work in spreading the teachings of Torah across the globe. Dedicated by the Maya family, David and Ilana Maya, Sydney, Australia. Today's daf is being studied. Lezecher Nishmat, Le'anu Nishmat, Mor Zekeni, Rabbi Yosef Ben Sarah, Abraham Ben Esther, Ruach Hashem, Tenechem Begal Eden, Amen. Today's daf is being studied. Le'fuash Shalimam, Sarah Ruhama, Bat Rachel, Sarah Bat Rachel. We begin today's daf on daf bet amud bet, and we are we're going to start. Amal eshlakish, three, four, five. Six lines from the bottom, last word on the line. Amar Lakish, Ma Lashon Kinui. So we learned in the Mishnah that the husband, he has to uh, give a warning to his wife to start the sota process. That warning is called a Kinui. But the Torah doesn't refer to it as a Hatra'a, which is a warning. So the question is, where did that word come from, Kinui? What does it mean? So it says, <coughs> The word kinui means anger. Ka'as. That the Pasuk says in the Varimhem, Kinuni Belo El. They angered me. So this is an item, a warning that causes anger between her and other people. Because why? What happens is she's uh, socializing with these other people. All of a sudden, one day she stops showing up. So uh, the people get upset. There was going on over here. What happened to this uh, girl? She used to come to our uh, social uh, functions because she's going around with these men. So they get angry. So it's an item that causes anger between her and others. Alma, kasabar, must be that this opinion holds. Kinui alpi atzmo. Must be that this shita is going with the opinion that we saw on yesterday's daf that kinui can be done by the husband. Now, if kinui is done by the husband alone, so that nobody's going to know about it. So therefore, They don't know, because it doesn't get around. When the husband does it privately, the world doesn't to hear about the kinui. So what do they say? The Amri, they're going to say, What's going on over here? What is this in front of us? All of a sudden, she's uh, becoming you know, a separatist. She's separating herself from us. 
That's going to lead them to anger. Since it's not publicized, they don't know why she's not hanging out anymore with them. They don't realize that the husband made a kinu, because the husband making a kinu is a private uh, private situation. So since since we're saying that the kin'ah is between her and others, that implies to us that the, kin, the kin'ah can be done specifically by the husband. Therefore, they're not going to find out about it. Therefore, they're going to get uh, angry. He says, no, the anger of the kinui is between her and the husband. It causes strife between the husband and the wife. Alma, must be this opinion holds, must be holds that it's done with two edim. What happens when you have two edim? Everybody knows about it. To Edim, the word gets out. To Edim, it becomes a public issue. Now everybody knows already that the husband is suspecting his wife for uh, impropriety. So what happens? She gets angry at him. So it causes anger between the husband and the wife. Right? Everybody knows now that they made a kinu because the two witnesses publicize it, obviously. And he's causing now anger between him and his wife. Alma, Kasavri, both opinions that interpret the word kin'ah, or kinui, as an anger, that's a negative thing. So it must be both these opinions hold the asur lekanot, that it's forbidden to make a kinui. Like we saw, there's a shitat in hell like that, that really one should not make the kinui, uh, because bottom line, it causes uh, this uh, type of uh, anger. Uman da'amar mutar lekanot, okay, but according to the opinion that says it's mutar to make kinui, so how do they learn the word kinui, what does it mean? Ma'ula shon kinui, Kinu means a warning, not, a, not an anger. Like it says in the Pasuk in Yoel, and God warned uh, uh, the people regarding his land. He warned them that if they're not going to be uh, uh, observant, so they, uh, the locust is going to come into to the land and uh, destroy it. So, means to. Give a warning. So that's a machloket amongst the opinions. If you hold kinui is asur, then kinui is menashon kaas. If you learn kinui is mutad, then kinui is menashon hatraah. Tanya yarabimi iromer adam over avera baseter. A person commits a sin in private. Hakadosh baruch hu machriz alav begalui. But Borei Olam will make sure that that sin is published so that everybody's going to know about it. And what's the proof? The case of the sota. Lady sota, she thinks she's committing an act in private. But what happens? God is going to put a spirit over the husband to suspect her. And now he's going to levy the warning. And what's going to happen? Her actions are going to become revealed. So you can't hide. You do an action beseter. God is going to make sure that it becomes publicized. Right, and a spirit of kin'ah is going to uh, go over him, to the husband. The word ve'avar doesn't only mean that a spirit is going to pass over him, but ve'avar means to publicize. How do you know the word ve'avar means to publicize? Because it says, right, Moshe Rabbeinu spread a announcement amongst the camp. So this that God's going to do it in order that it should become publicized and announced to the to the people, which means 
that that kinah that the husband has, that already is from that's from Bore Olam. Because God says you're trying to hide from your sins of immorality, and it's going to become revealed. In order to publicize it. So comes again and says, Shakish Amar, Shakish says, En Adam over Avera. A person doesn't commit sin. Unless a spirit of insanity overcomes the person. Which is a person cannot sin unless he's uh, taken by insanity. Temporary insanity. Like the Basuk says, In the case of Sota, now Tiste means that what? That she, uh, she veered off the path. She was, uh, you know, Tiste. She, she, she went off the derech. Now, if that was the uh, purpose, the pasuk didn't have to use the word to stay. It could have used uh, different uh, terminologies. It could have said, ish, ish, ki tete. Tete is uh, that she turned off. What does it say, the word to stay, with a scene? So the Gemara says, you know what it's really telling you? Ish, ish, ki tete, ish, to ketiv. Which means, must be she became a shota. Which means she must have been crazy. Which means... The person doesn't sin unless they become a shota. And therefore, we're learning from over here that uh, not only uh, in this case of shota, but all sins, this is just as an example, this is a binyan av to all other sins as well, that a person doesn't sin unless he has a uh, ruach shetut. Now that being said, uh, the question that can be asked, how could you hold somebody liable for sins then? Uh, the guy said temporary insanity. So the Mepharshim, the Chayda, asked this question as well. And the Mepharshim answered that really you don't get punished for, uh, for the sin itself. The punishment for the sin is, wouldn't you put yourself in a predicament to get crazy? Wouldn't you put yourself in a Nisayon in order to get to this stage? Like they give a famous mashal of a, of a driver that was driving, you know, uh, very fast, speeding. And he killed somebody, So when he went to the court, so the judge says, what do you have to say for yourself? So the guy says, how do you expect me to stop a car traveling 150 miles an hour. So the judge says, no, we don't expect you to stop a car. It's impossible to stop a car 150 miles an hour. But would you put yourself in, possession, in, a, in a position where you couldn't stop? That's the point. That's the same thing over here. But you put yourself in the position where the Ruach Shetut can overtake you. So therefore the punishment is, would you put yourself, and that's why we, we pray to Bodhi Alam every day, that God should save us. Don't bring us to the sin. Once already we get to the sin, already we're insane. Don't bring us to the to the to the threshold of sin. Okay, and that's not only by the case of Sotah, but that's by the case of that's by all cases as well. Now, others uh, want to learn this uh, over here that this is going the shitat rishtakish. The Shtakish held that it's Asur to make a uh, Kinah. Right? Kinu is Asur. So it's saying, Ish, Ish, Ki Teste Ishto. It's going on the man. Ish, Ish. He's not going to make Kinui unless he became a Shote himself. Which means, because it's Asur really to make a Kinui. So Ish, Ish, Ki Teste Ishto means the, 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 the Shote of here is the husband. Because really he's not supposed to make a Kinui. It's Asur. When he becomes crazy, like we said, the spirit comes uh, over him. And therefore he becomes to Either way... You see that it's like almost somebody's possessed at the time of the sin. By the Yitzhak, of course. Comes the Gemara and says, Tana Deber Bishmael. Okay, now we go back to a subject that we discussed in yesterday's now. We said that one witness is believed for Tum'ah. 
one witness is believed to come along and say they actually did the act. So the Gemara, and we learned it from a pasuk, So the Gemara wants to understand why? Why would the Torah give an emanut to one witness? One witness. But normally, you need two witnesses. So the Gemara says shenaglaim ledavar. Again, because you have over here, call it circumstantial evidence, or you have like a fortification, or we have legs over here. Why? Share kinala v'nistera. You know, the one witness is uh, preceded by uh, proof. Already had a kinui. And you had a stira. Followed by an edichad. So that's already uh, strength enough to believe him. Very important. If you look in the Pesukim of the Sultan, Pasuk Yud Gimal, it talks about the case of Ed and Ba Vinitma. Right? Vinitma. She became Tema. That's the Pasuk Tema. The next Pasuk says, Which is Maswa that the Kinui didn't come till after the Tuma. How could you tell me in the Gemara that the Kinu came first, then Stirad, then Tum'ah? From the, from the uh, Pesukim, it's Masper that the Kinu came after. So I did it, which means it's Masper that the, the case of Tum'ah was not talking about where a Kinu came before it. Based on the Pesukim. Ve'avad alav ruach That's the Pesuk after. So it was Amar Ve'avar uchvar avar. When it says Ve'avar, it's past tense, which means... And we're talking about where it happened already where there was a kin'ah, which means a kinui. Even though the pasuk is written after, from the Lashon Ve'avad, it means it happened already, which means there was a kinui that took place from before. That's how it's learning Ve'avad. So the Gemara says, oh yeah, Ve'avad means it happened already. Ela me'ata ve'avad lachem kol halutz. Moshe Rabbeinu was telling Ben Egad and Ben Uven that they have to go become vanguards and go fight for the Jewish people in it is Israel, if they want to settle on the Evra Yarden section, right? So before they even went in, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Ve'avar lachem kol halutz. Right? And all, of you, and all of you are going to have to uh, uh, go and, and, and fight. Now this was future. Now you tell me Ve'avar is already, it happened. Well, you it didn't happen yet. Moshe Rabbeinu is telling them to go fight. But if you're learning Ve'avar past tense, the pasuk doesn't make sense. Ha'chen ameh. You're going to say that it means uh, uh, past tense? No. You got to go with the context. If you go at the end of the Pasuk, what does it say? And you'll conquer the land, and then you'll return. Then you'll come back to Which means here it's Mashma, in the case of the Bnei Gabriel Uven, Ve'avar means future. Which means you have to go according to the context. Sometimes Ve'avar means past tense, sometimes Ve'avar means future, depending on the context of the Pasuk. But over here, what are you going to say? That the Kinui was done after Tum'ah? Ve'avar batar Tum'ah v'stira Kinui Lamali. Alright, doesn't make sense. Which means if you're going to learn the Pasuk over here that the Kinui took place after Tum'ah, what does she need a warning for after Tum'ah? She's done. She did the Avera. From the context of this parasha, must be the Kiddush talking about that it happened before. So you have to read it according to the understanding. The Kiddush has no purpose after the case of Tumah, obviously. Okay, now we've got a new point. Right, a person is not going to make Kiddush to his wife. Unless a spirit overtakes him. Now the Gebaraz, which means he's overtaken by a certain spirit, you don't want to call it a, uh, a malach of some sort, 
sometimes they call Malachim Ruach, like the Pasuk says, Ose Malachav Ruchot. It's overtaken by a spirit, like a Malach to do it. So Gemara says, what kind of spirit is? Shri Imar, Ve'avar alav Ruach, Kin'ah. What type of spirit are we talking about? Rabbanan Amre Ruach Tum'ah. It's the Satan. Why? He's trying to create Mahloka now between him and his wife. He wants to make like a little anger over here to affect the Shalom Bayit. There's no. On the contrary. It's a good spirit, a good angel. Why? Because the husband's concerned about Hatsini Ut. And wants to make sure that the wife is going to be modest. So if it doesn't want it to be over the. Uh, you know, the laws of uh, modesty. So that's a good thing. <coughs> that she says, et He hates the perisut. That's the Ruach Ta'ara. It makes sense according to opinion that it's a good spirit. Why? Because we have a brighter. Some say that this inyan of kinui, it's optional. It's voluntary. Rabbi Akiva says, no. It is indeed... Mandatory, which means you have to, you have to do it. Which means we have a mahlokan over here, a very fundamental mahlokan between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Ishmael. Rabbi Ishmael holds that this kinui, it's not mandatory to make kinui to the wife. It's optional. If he wants to make kinui, he's allowed to make kinui. Rabbi Akiva says, no, no, no. You have to make kinui in a situation like that. Now I want to ask you a question. If kinui was considered a bad spirit coming over the guy, how could you say, well, it's optional, it's obligatory. What do you think about it? It's obligatory to go and make a, uh, to have a bad spirit to come on you? And it must be, it's a good thing. It's Ruach Tahara. Oh, if it's Ruach Tahara, then already you can have a Mahlokan. Is it Reshut or Chobah? You can't have a Mahlokan, Reshut or Chobah, if you tell me that the Ruach of is Ruach Tum'ah. So the Gabbana says that. I Amar Pishlama Ruach Tahara Shapir. If you tell me it's Ruach Tahara, good, I understand the Mahlokan, the Bishma, the Biakiva. Is it is it optional? Is it mandatory? Well, you can have an argument over here. Is it a optional or mandatory to bring a bad spirit into your uh, into your nefesh? Can't be. So from the bright stuff, from the machlokah, be achimah, be shushmash, with the ruah, the ruah. Tara comes again. We're just goofa. Now we go to a very fundamental machlokah. Let's review this outside for a second. Fundamental Mahloket, three places in in the Torah between Rabbi Ishmael and Rabbi Akiva regarding three mitzvot. Rabbi Ishmael is going to say that these mitzvot of there are optional, reshut, uh, voluntary, and Rabbi Akiva is going to say no, they are indeed choba. One of them is we just mentioned. One of them is kinui. The kine etishto. Rabbi Ishmael is going to say voluntary if he wants to. Rabbi Akiva is going to say no, 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 mandatory. Choba. The next case where they're going to argue is a case of freeing one's slave. The Torah says, And Ebed Kena'ani has to work by the master forever. Right? They have to work forever. So, optional. It's optional. The Biakiyah is going to say, no, no, means that Avit has to work forever, that is going to be a Chobah. The third example, the way they're going to argue, is going to be by Kohen. The Kohen says, Kohen cannot be Chamtameh to anybody, correct? Kohen cannot be Mitameh. But it says what? La Yitameh. To the relatives, he's able to be Mitameh. The Biyish is going to say, voluntary, 
and the Biakim. I was going to say <coughs> mandatory. So we're going to have three cases in the Torah where the Bishma and the Biakiva argued is it voluntary or mandatory? Again, the three cases are Kinui, freeing your slave, Evid Kanani, and the Kohen being metameh to his relatives. Okay, now the Gemara is going to speak this out. Gemara begins. Gufa. Vekine et ishto kama reshut. Right? Vekine et ishto, that says in the Torah, this is because it's voluntary. The Vedu Ishmael. The Rabbi Akiva Amar Choba. La yitama. Case number two. Where it says by a Kohen that he can become Tameh to his relatives. Again, reshut. The Vedu Ishmael. The Rabbi Akiva Amar Choba. Case number three. The Olam Baim Ta'avod. The Tehavikran has to stay by you forever. Reshut. Voluntary. The Vedu Ishmael. The Rabbi Akiva Amar Choba. Are you telling me that what? That they argue in the whole Torah, this subject over here? Are you telling me that every mitzvah asay you have this ma'loket? Every positive commandment, are you going to tell me that Rabbi Ishmael holds reshut? You have no more mitzvah to asay anymore. Every positive commandment Torah says, do this if you want. Just like, uh, free, uh, they have to work by you forever, if you want. Uh, if you want. Uh, if you want. So I tell me, according to this over here, every single mizvat I say in the Torah, are you going to tell me, according to the he holds, is optional? So if you did away with the whole, uh, with the whole Torah. Did that how you want to learn, learn this? Look at over here. So he was done, Amar Ha-ha. Specifically, these three cases over here, they're arguing, right? Because of Pesukim. Let's speak outside for a second. You need the Torah to write in these cases over here, because if it didn't write it, I would think it would be maybe a suit from another Pasuk. For example, Kinui. Now, Kinui obviously is going to cause mahluk between the husband and the wife. Suspecting her and this and that. Doesn't the Torah say, You're not allowed to hate anybody, you're not allowed to cause uh, friction. Isn't Kinu like a, a form of, You're causing a sin'ah. You're suspecting her, you went with this guy, don't go with that guy. Well, you're not supposed to hate anybody like that. So that's what the Bishma is saying. You would have thought that it's asur because of lotus nat babecha. So when it says vikinet ishto, all it's telling you is it's optional. You understand? Which means it's not mandatory. It's to neutralize the lotus nat babecha. Without a pasuk of kinui, I would have told you what it's asur to do this item. Why is it asur to do this item? Again, I told you lotus nat babecha. You can't hate anybody. Are you hating your wife now? Oh, so what does the pasuk say vikinet ishto? You can. Oh, so what is Rabbi Akiva going to say? Rabbi Akiva says, you're right. But how many times does it say, Kinui in the Torah, twice? So therefore, the fact that it repeats it twice, is coming to tell me what? That it's an obligation. See, again, according to Rabbi Yishma'el, it's, I would have thought it's Asur, it comes and tells me, it's Mutar, but it's not mandatory. Reshut. Rabbi Akiva says, no, it says Vikinet Ishto twice in the Torah. One to tell me you're not going to be over uh, Lotus Na, 
And the second one is coming to tell me, not only you're not going to obey, but you have to do it. Understand the Mahlokah? Let's read that inside. Gebara says like this. Right? Against what's written in the Torah. Right. After what's written in the Torah, for example, what is written in the Torah? Lot is not Yachol kegonzu. Would you have thought, like this case also, that Kiru is going to be Asur? Which tells me what? It's okay. It's written twice. It's written Kinui twice in the Pasuk. Oh, now what does Rabbi Ishmael going to do with the uh, repetitive Kinui? Rabbi Ishmael, Aidi Debael Mikhtav Vihin Nitma'a, Vihid Lon Nitma'a, Ketiv Nameh, Viketiv Etishto, Vikine Etishto. Okay, let me explain to you where the two Pesukim are written. The two Pesukim are written of Kinui in a case where the guy warned his wife and she was Temea, and she actually did it. And then there's another person that talks about Vikine Etishto, he warned his wife, he learned it Ma'a. Well, she wasn't Temea, but she's, that's a regular case of Sota. We don't know what happened. Now, there's a Hidush in the Pasuk of Vikine Etishto, he learned it Ma'a. There's a Hidush on that side of the Pasuk. What's the Hidush on that side of the Pasuk? That even though she's not Tame, you don't know what she is inside, what she did inside, she's forbidden to the husband. So therefore we have a law like this. Anytime there's a Hidush in a certain part of the Pasuk, I don't care if it's a little repetitive, so long as it's teaching me an extra Hidush. So therefore the Bishma'ir, that's the Bishma Shita, by the way. Anything that's repeated in the Torah, so long as there's a Hidush in the item, in that section, the repetition is, uh, is okay. In this case, it says like this. That's the regular case of Kinui. Warned his wife, and she became Tameh. Okay, that means she became Tameh. No Hedush in that case. That's obviously she became Tameh, therefore she's forbidden to the wife, to the husband, right? Next part of the Pasuk. Now, what's that Hedush on the side of Lon The Hedush, even though we don't know what she did inside, she's still forbidden to the husband. Isn't that a Hedush? Even though it's a safik, she's forbidden to the husband. Yes, it is. So even though it says kinui a second time, I'm not worried about the kinui a second. The kinui is just written to tell me the same case again, but the hadush is on the behilo netma. So therefore, the dirasha goes like this. According to Rabbi Ishmael, kinui, get, get, get this good, because we're going to see this uh, 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 logic three times over. In ki, the case of kinui, it's like this. Rabbi Ishmael, the kinui, the kinui, is optional. What do you mean optional? Because the Torah says, So I would have thought it's a sur, that's why it says, It's okay, you're allowed to. Oh, it's a shoot. But Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, Kinui twice. Not only to tell you it's optional, but it's mandatory. Oh, Rabbi Ishmael, what about you? It also says, Kinui twice. Now, the second time it says, Kinui is to teach me a hidush by Lonitma'a. The Kinui itishto, Vihid Lonitma'a. The hidush in Lonitma'a is what? That she's not. Uh, uh, even though she's not uh, Tema'ah, we don't know she's Tema'ah, she didn't do the act, she's still forbidden to the husband. We have a rule, that any time uh, uh, there's a Hadush in a certain section, so there's a Kinui that's written uh, uh, twice, they're not teaching anything. See, I'm not worried about the Kinui. The second Kinui doesn't have to teach me anything, so long as the Vinitma is teaching me. So then we just wrote Kinui again. The Kinetus to Vinitma, the Kinetus to Vilonitma. 
the Hadus will not be But they can always in a second time, and nonetheless, like the Gemara says, because the Gemara says that the Bishmael holds the Bishmael, like like the Bishmael says that what. Any parasha that was written and repeated, like this case over here, it's written twice. It was only repeated for the Hidush of it. What's the Hidush of it in this case? And she is still forbidden. So therefore, don't, don't, don't mitayek the word kinui twice in time it's choba. The word kinui twice was just written to tell me the side of if she was not Tamir, then she's going to be forbidden nonetheless, which is Hidush, even though it is a Safiq. Okay, so that's the first round. That's the case of Kinui. Basically, what you're going to see in the next two cases is, is the similar logic. Where you're going to see, one's going to say Rishut, one's going to say Chobah. The one that says Rishut is going to offset a pursuit that you might think that it was uh, Asur for some reason. That's what's going to tell me Rishut. And the other opinion is going to say, but it's written twice, to tell me Chobah. And the other rabbi is going to say, no, the reason why it was written twice was to teach me a second Hadush, and therefore the repetition does not teach me Chobah. Let's see now by uh, the case of Tum'ah. Gemara continues. La yitama. That's regular Kohen. Right? Kohen, what does it say? He's able to metame two relatives. Reshut. Right? Rabbi Ishmael says, uh, optional. You don't have to be metame to the relatives. You can. Rabbi Akiva omer choba. Maitama de Bishmael. Aidi dikhtiv emor la kohanim b'nei aron v'amarta alhem de nefesh lo yitama b'amav. Because the Torah says, in the first pasuk, they cannot be metameh to, 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 to people, a kohen. So to teach me, in this case it's optional. Because you would have thought that it's asur, because the pasuk says it cannot be metameh. A commandment to relatives, it's optional. Which is that we know already he can metameh to relatives. Because we have another pasuk that says, only to his relatives. So therefore, from the fact that it's only to his relatives, la yitama, what is the repetition of la yitama coming to tell me? La mali, lechoba. Rabbi Ishmael, la mitama ve'el mitama le'evareha. He comes along and says, no, no, no. You're right, you have two pesukim now. You have ki'im l'she'ero, which teaches me really what? That I would have thought it's asur, ki'im l'she'ero comes and teaches me, no, it's allowed. It's allowed. Oh, but it says la yitama. Repetitive. No, la yitama I learned something else from. You know what I learned from that? La yitama ve'el mitama le'evareha. Let's say you have one of the relatives of the Kohen. She was alive. Well, for that matter, even if she died, but her limbs fell off. The Hadush is that the Kohen can only mitameh to the body and not to the limbs. The limbs, whether they came off when she was alive or he was alive, let's say amputation or something like that, or he was sick, or even if he died, the limbs themselves, the Kohen cannot be mitameh. Oh, so you're right, it's repetitive. La yitama is repetitive. But there's a hadush on, the, on that side. To teach me, la velo levareh. So once already you teach me the evarim hadush, I can tell you the word yitama again. Because I, do, I have a hadush on the last side. So therefore, you're right. If you want to teach me the evarim item, just say the word la. And I'll learn, la velo levareh. Yitma la mali. Why does it say yitma twice? Because it says, Ki'im l'shero, then it says, La yitama, Shma'amina, to teach me what? Choba. V'Rabbi Ishmael, Aydi dikhtiv la, Ketiv na me yitma. L'ekhdetar de meri Ishmael, Detar de meri Ishmael, Kod parashat shne emra v'nishnit, 
לא נשתית, אלא בשביל דבר שתחדש בה. Which is, you're right, it couldn't just said לה. But once already you teach me the Hadush Allah ולא לאיברים, you can write the word Yitma again. Because once already you're repeating a parashah for the Hadush, you can repeat also the, the word Yitma again, even though there's no Hadush uh, in that word Yitma. It'll repeat the whole thing again. So it says, it says Yitma technically twice. Ki'im neshiro, you can be metamet the relatives. Then it says, la Yitma, you can be metamet the heart, referring to one of the relatives. I wouldn't say Yitma twice. No, it's not twice really, according to Mish. It is twice, but it's not a problem to say it twice. Because on the lie, Yitamad is the Hadush of Evareha. So therefore, I'll tell you that Tum'ah is Rishu. Don't medayek the Tum'ah twice like the Mi'akiva. Rebekah was not. Tum'ah is written twice because it just should have said La if it was teaching me the Evarim case. We have to say La Yitamah. La Vilod Evarim. What is Yitamah coming to teach me? Or must be it is Chumah. The Bishra says, no, no, no. Once when it's a Hadush in that section of the Pasuk, I can put the word Yitamah again. I'm not worried about the repetition of Yitamah. And don't learn it as a. As a deen that is going to turn into a chobah. Now we get to the third case. Third case, we just give an uh, introduction. Evit Kena'ani. What's an Evit Kena'ani? You have a slave. Uh, uh, we call him an Evit Kena'ani. We'll see what that means. And basically the law is that he's got to stay by you forever. Right? <laughs> he stays by you forever. Okay, so the she'ila is like this. How do you get an Evit Kena'ani ever? Why? Torah says when you go into Evit Kena'ani, you got to root out the seven nations. You're not allowed to leave any living survivors in the land of Canaan. So we don't even say if it's Canaani. How do you have a case? So the case is talking about over here. We have an Evid Canaani. You have a let's say a man, uh, or, or let's say a better case. You have a non uh, a stranger, uh, a non seven nation uh, guy. Uh, uh, we call him an alien to make it uh, better. He's, he's not from the seventh, so therefore there's no din of Shema. He cohabitates with a girl from Kenan. Okay, the child over there is considered Evit Kenan. That's the type of Evit Kenan that you're allowed to buy. He's not in the Parasha of Lot Shema, but the opposite. If let's say you have an, a Kenani guy that goes out of the country and marries a uh, foreigner. An alien lady, so that child over there, he's considered uh, Kenan. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to buy from from that. Now, in order to understand just the derasha smoother, let's assume like this: the ladies live in their place. That means the Kenani lady lives in Kenan. The alien lady lives outside. It's the man that goes to the place to to marry her, which means the Kenani man, if he's getting married, he'll go. Outside of Canaan, the alien man, if he's marrying a Canaani lady, he comes into Canaan. Okay, just understand that uh, as part of the derasha. Now let's begin. Gemara says like this: Le'olam bahem ta'avodu. Reshut, optional. The Rebbe Bishmael, Rebbe Akiva Omer, Choba. My Tamad Rebbe Bishmael. Now I did the because I have a pasuk that says Lo tehaye kol neshama. What are you talking? It says after when I go into Eretz Canaan, I got to destroy. All the people that she says, Ha'itiv, Ha'girgashiv, Ha'emoriv, Ha'kena'aniv, Ha'periziv, Ha'iviv, Ha'ibusi. All the seven nations. So it says, Itzarech namir lemikhtav le'olam ba'em ta'avodu. So that's what I had to say. No, no, there's certain slaves that you can keep alive, optionally, and, uh, you know, use them as slaves. Have them as slaves. I mean, you can, you can have an Eretz Kena'ani. What's the case? Lemishre ehad mikola umot. An alien, we'll call him. 
Sheba'ala kena'anit, that went with a kena'ani lady, ve'olid mimena bin, and they had a son, she'atarashai liknoto. And what's the idush? That you can buy him. Detanya, minayin le'echad mena'umot, sheba'ala kena'ani, ve'olid mimena bin, she'atarashai liknoto be'ahibit. How do you know that's permissible? Talmud Lomar, listen to the Pasuk now. Vigam mibbenei ha-toshavim ha-garim amachim. To the toshavim that are living by you. What is a toshav? Toshav is an alien. Toshav is, he's not one of the seven. He's from uh, different nations, you should know. From the aliens that are living amongst you, toshavim ha-garim amachim, mehem tiknu. From them you can buy, which means, he's by you, why is he by you? Because he wanted to marry a Canaanite lady. So he came from outside, he came into Eris Canaan, married a Canaanite lady, they had a son, that kid over there you could buy. That's the case of an uh, that you're allowed to buy. What about the opposite case? A man. Kena'ani man that had relations with a alien lady. Can you buy that kid as Evid? Uh, it's only talking about the kids that were born in your land. Now again, a Kena'ani man, where's that kid going to be born? Because what I tell you, he goes outside to get married. The Pasuk says only tiknu when they're born in your land. However, enough from those that live in your land, meaning they're they're inhabitants, but get married outside and have their children outside. So therefore, the Pasuk clearly is coming to tell me according to Bishmael. Let's go back. What do you need that for? Because I would have thought it's Asur to have Evit Kirani. You've got to kill everybody. Also, there's a case where you're allowed to have Evit Kirani, where it's a, a, an alien that had uh, got, a, got a kid from a Kirani lady. Otherwise, otherwise, I would have said this Asur. So it says, uh, you're not allowed to have any. So there's a case where it's, uh, where it's permissible. Where it's permissible. Rabbi Akiva. Mimim tiknu nafka. Rabbi Akiva comes along and says, no, 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 no. I know that already, that it's permissible to take one of these uh, aliens that has a relation with a Kanani. The Pasuk I just quoted you. Mehem tiknu. Mehem tiknu teaches me it's permissible. So what does the Olam Bem Ta'avodu come and teach me? It's the second Pasuk. One says you can have a slave. And one says you can buy them as slaves. So that, that, that's, that's double. What does the repetitive pistol keep coming teaching me? That not only can you do it, but it's actually, it's a choba, which means you buy them and you keep them as slaves forever. That's a mandatory law. Yes, it's obligatory. Oh, le'olam ba'em ta'avodu lamali. Again, what is the olam ba'em ta'avodu coming to tell me? The choba. You know what ba'em is coming to teach me? Which is really, you're right. You know how I know you can buy slaves? Mehem Tiknu. From that Pasuk over there that says Mehem Tiknu. It's the same Pasuk, by the way. Incidentally, just so you know the whole Pasuk, it's Vayikra Chafeh Mem Vav. The Pasuk says, Le'olam Ba'em Ta'avodu, Uba'achichem B'nei Yesed Ish Ba'iv Lo Terdebo B'Farech. Actually, the full Pasuk is, V'tnachaltem O'tam L'bnechem Ha'alichem L'arish Ta'uzal Le'olam Ba'em Ta'avodu. Right? Which is the Torah says the Olam Bahem Ta'avodu. So Rabbi Ishmael, the Torah says it twice. It says Mehem Tiknu. Buy, buy them. It's the Olam Bahem Ta'avodu. He says, no, you know what the Bahem comes and teaches me? Bahem teaches me is a Hadush. What's the Hadush? Ve'lo be'ahichim. 
that you're only allowed to buy a goy as a slave, but you cannot buy a Jew as a slave. Meaning in this case, where you can inherit him to your children, you don't buy the Jew as a full-fledged uh, kinyan. So again, let's review what Abish Ishmael holds. Abish Ishmael says, the olam ba'im ta'avod was it is shoot. Why is it a shoot? Because I would have thought that it's a shoot because it says, lo kol neshama. Yes? That's why it says, what? The olam ba'im ta'avod, that it's okay. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? That's repetitive. Right? I know the olam ta'avod ta'avod. I have a person that says, mehem teknu. So that's Abish Ishmael. Abish Ishmael comes it must be, it's a chobah. So the Abish Ishmael comes along and says, no, 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 no. The bahem is not extra. The bahem I need. What do you mean? You can't buy your brothers as slaves? That's another pasuk that says, So therefore, that's explicitly in the pasuk. So therefore, bottom line, what do I have to teach me? That's mandatory. You're right. I taught you already. That's already. I know that from the end of the pasuk. Le'olam ba'im ta'avodu teaches me what that I'm not over lot ta'ayek on the shema. So it, re- it rewrote the word ba'im, even though it's extra because I know it from ha'ayekim. But because, it, because the rule of what? Like the Tanah b'Rabbi Yishmael. The Tanah b'Rabbi Yishmael. Kol barashat ne'emar ve'neshdit lo neshdit ela b'shvid davar shet chadesh ba. Again, same item. It can be repetitive so long as it's chadushin. So the olam b'hem tavodu is teaching me chadushin what that you're allowed to buy them. Don't think you have rovet lo ta'ayek on the shema. Yeah, but it says b'hem. That, that's repetitive because it says ha'chem already. I know b'hem means them and not your brothers. And come out b'hem again. So long as it's a hidush in that section, I'm not worried about the repetitiveness of the word Ba'im. So therefore, again, three cases, Rabbi Ishmael, Rishut, Rabbi Akiva, Choba. Amar of Chazda, new point. Zinuta bebeta. When there's nut in a house, when the wife is committing znut, when she's fooling around, she's going around, she's letting other men into the house. Kikarya leshum shema. It's like a worm that infests the sesame seed. Which means it, it, it corrodes and eats away the entire seed. The same thing when a lady is committing adultery. What happens? The house goes to shambles. Because she's not fulfilling her responsibilities. She's not cooking. She's not cleaning. She's not keeping the house uh, in order. Therefore, the destruction of the house is coming with the zanut. And not only that, but she allows men to come in the house and already the, the, the guy's taking all the husband's uh, property. So therefore, what happens? The zinuta uh, lebeta when there's nut in a house, the entire house becomes destroyed from within, like a worm that's eating the the sesame. The amara frizda tukfa bebeta, meaning when there's anger in a house, when there's not shalom bayit, when there's machloket in a house, especially with anger, again it destroys the house. The hakamim say that when there's peace in the Jewish home, so there's shechinah in the house. Ish ve'isha, shechinah b'nehem. Ish, there's a yud in the word ish, and there's a he in the letter isha. That's yud ke, that's shechinah. Ish ve'isha, shezachu, shechinah b'nehem. Lo zachu, esh ochaltam. Senat zoche, take away the yud of ish, it's esh, it's fire. Take away the he of isha, it's esh. Esh, esh is fire. So therefore, give it up to when there's chaos in the house, that's the destruction of the house. Idi ve'idi ve'etetah. All this is talking about when the lady's involved in it. But for this point, when the man is doing this loot, it's not going to destroy the house in the sense that it's not going to create this uh, 
the destruction of the house like when the lady does it. Because again, it's not his responsibility to do all these uh, to all these things. It's the anger and disnut of the wife that causes all this. Comes the Gemara and continues. V'amar of Chazda. Before the Jewish people sinned with Arayot, in the times of the first Bet HaMikdash, Shekhinah was with every single Jew. God was in their midst. Why? Because they were modest. Because they were keeping the laws of modesty. But in the times of the first Petah Mikdash, one of the sins they committed was Gilu Arayot. Immorality. The Shekhinah left them. Shre'emar, Pasuk says, Velo me'aharecha. Torah clearly says that if there's going to be Arayot, if there's going to be immorality, Veshav me'aharecha. God, He pulls back. God moves away from Klai Yisrael. So as long as the Jewish people were committing the mitzvot of modesty, Shekhinah was with them. However, once they committed Averot of Gilui Arayot, Veshav Me'achadecha, like Torah says, don't, don't commit Arayot. Otherwise, God is going to leave the mitzvot. There's no protection. The Mephashim point out over here an amazing Hadush. They say, when God left, it seems He left even the righteous people. It says He left the whole Klai Yisrael. So you see over here that even the righteous people suffer when there's immorality in a, in a, in a, in a place. Because it doesn't say he left only the Rishayim. It says he left Klai Yisrael. Ela see why? Because it's a place where there's immorality. So the Shekhinah cannot rest even on the good people. Amar of Shmuel bar Nachmani Amar of Yonatan. Anybody that does a mitzvah in this world, the mitzvah precedes him to Olam Abba. It's almost as if the mitzvah goes in front of him to prepare the road to take him to Olam Abba. Every time a person commits a mitzvah, he creates a malach. So therefore that malach is going to precede him to pave the road to bring him to Gana Your righteousness will... Precede you. But if a person commits an avera, the opposite is true. He creates a bad angel. And what does that angel do? It envelops him. It, it surrounds him. And takes him to his judgment. How do we know? Because the Pasuk says, Yilafto orchot darkam Ya'alu batohu V'yovedu which means their ways are going to envelop them, and they're going to take them to Tohu, to their destruction. So there's a very interesting Maharsha over here, that he makes a point over here, he says, why when it comes to the mitzvah, the mitzvah precedes him. It sounds like it's walking in front of him. When it comes to the Averah, it sounds like it's enveloping, it's wrapping him. So the Maharsha says over here as follows. We're reading Kol He says, Mehayaduah. Person's actions create angels. Good angels, bad angels. Again, a guy when he does a mitzvah, 
willingly he's going to follow that angel because he wants to go to Gan Eden. So the angel just uh, walks in front of him and, uh, you know, he'll follow it. All the mitzvah has to do is like a guide, just to show him where the road is. Like someone's being taken to be hung. He doesn't walk willingly. They gotta grab him uh, again. They gotta wrap him up, tie him up, and bring him. So that's why over there it says that the sin envelops the person because it has to grab the guy to take him to a place that he does not want to go. Comes the Gemara and continues. Rabbi the Ezer Omer Kishura Bocha Kelev that the sin actually attaches to the person's soul like a dog, which means it holds on like a dog that's biting that doesn't uh, doesn't let its grip off. That the sin attaches to a person like a dog. Shneimar, where do we learn this from? From from Yosef Sadiq. When Yosef Sadiq refrained from being with Eshet Potiphar, right? He didn't commit that sin of immorality. But what would have happened if he did? So he tells her, "Velo shama elia." He did not listen to lishkav itzla, to lie next to her, liyot ima. Now, what's that double language? So it says, "Lishkav itzla ba'olamaze, liyot ima le'olamaba." He didn't want to lie next to her in this world and not to rest with her in the next world. Because if he would have went with her, she would have latched on to his neshama and she would have been with him in olamaba. Because the sin holds on to the neshama and it's very hard to, to shake it off. So therefore, you know that it's kishura kekedev, that it's, it's, it stays on the person like a kid. Okay, now we go to one more point. Tinanatam. Follow logic. Let's review quickly laws. How many witnesses do you need for tum'ah? One. How many witnesses do, we, how many witnesses do you need for stida? So according to one opinion, we saw you need two witnesses for stida. Two witnesses for Kinui, two witnesses for Stira, one witness for Tum'ah. That was actually the opinion of the B. Yoshua. Okay? Now the Kabbalah is going to make some analysis over here. tam. We learned in the Mishnah. Coming up. Shaya Bedin. I could make like a Kavahomer. Bedin is a Kavahomer. Uma Edut Arishona. Edut Arishona is the first testament. That's Stira. Edut Arishona over here is referring to Stira. She'en Osarta Isur Olam. Does Tira oser her forever? No, Tira is a temporary issue until she drinks the waters. But still you need two witnesses. Which is Tum'ah. If Tira, which is not oser her forever, you need two witnesses. Tum'ah, which is oser her forever. That means she, they have a witness that she did the act. Or the most you should need two. Right? Talmud Lomar, ve'ed en ba. Oh, that's why we have a pasuk to come and tell me, ed en ba, what did ed en ba, what I told you means? Ed means two. You don't have two witnesses, only you have one, and that's going to be enough. But without that pasuk, I would have made a kavahomet to say you need two. That's why it says ve'ed en ba, to teach me even one is okay. Kol shiyesh ba. Even one witness. Kol shiyesh ba, whatever you have. Now, ve'kavahomet le'edut arishona me'ata. Oh, now I'll go the other way. Once you tell me that Tum'ah can get away with one, I'll tell you that maybe Stira can get away with one also from a Kavah Omer. What's the Kavah Omer? Uma Eduta Harona, which is Tum'ah. Shosarta Isur Olam. 
מתקיימת בעד אחד, I get away one witness, עדות הראשונה, שאין עושה איסורם, אין עוד שתקיים בעד אחד. That's how I went the other way now. So comes the Gebron and says, Talmud לומר, כמעט סבא ערוות דבר. Right, by a case of immorality, what does the Pasuk say? You found in our ervat davar. It says the word davar. Right? We have a pasuk by monetary law, it says, Al pi shnaim edim apishtosha edim yakum davar. Ma davar amun lahana pi shnaim edim. Just like davar by monetary law, you need two witnesses. Afkana pi shnaim. Good. So too you need two witnesses for immorality cases, which means stira. Now let's go slow. That's not the way we learned yesterday. Remember, we learned yesterday, if I were to ask you, how do you know Stidan needs two witnesses? We said, the Ed and Ba. You don't need two witnesses for Tum'ah, but you need two witnesses for Stidah. Now you give me a new Dirashaya. Now you tell me it's Davar Davar. How do you need two witnesses for Stidah? A regular, you know, immorality case. Davar Davar uh, from Mamamon. So the Gemara says, Hai Michi Matzah Ba'ervan Davar Nafka? Is that the source where you're learning that you need two witnesses for Stina from Davar Davar? Miba nafka. Ba velo bekinui. Ba velo bestina. Bivrele. No, the source yesterday that we learned how you know Stina is two was from Ba. Ba velo bestina. Which means in Tum'ah I can get away with one, but not with Stina. Now this Mishnah is bringing me a different source. How do you know one? Ed and Ba. Very good. For that's a Tum'ah. How do you know you need two fistida? Davar, davar. Hey, what davar, davar? I didn't learn that yesterday from there. I learned it from Bavel, no fistida. So the Gemara says, you're right. You're right. Learn it like this. Talmud, Lomar, Bavel, Bikinui, Bavel, Bistira. Change the, change the Girsan, the Mishnah. You know what the source really is? How I know Stira needs two? From what we learned yesterday. Bavel, Bikinui, Bavel, Bistira. Uh, how do I know regular Tum'ah without a Kinu Nistira that comes before it that I need two witnesses? That was the Gemara's question. Which means like this. A Stira, how much do I need? Two. How do you know that from? Ed and Ba. Ba, Velo Bistira. A tum'ah that, that was preceded by a kinun istira. How much do you need? One. Shri imar, the ed in ba. Two you don't need, but one you need. Good, so that solves those cases. Now I'm asking you a third case. How do you know a regular case? No, no kinun, no istira. How do you know a regular guy comes along and says, this lady committed the act? How many you need for that case? That you need two. How do you know in that case you need two? Davar Davar. So the Davar Davar was coming to teach you a regular straight up case of a witness coming to say to without a kinu in istira before. And that's what it says. Minalan the Emar Khan Kimat Sabar Vat Davar. For the Emar Dalan Apishnaim Edim Wapishtucha Edim Yakum Davar. Ma Davar Modalan Edim Shenaim, which is by my money too. Afghan Edim Shenaim. So bottom line, this Mishnah taught me three laws. Stira, you need two. How? Ed en ba. Ba velo bestira. A case of tum'ah that was preceded by kinu in stira, one witness is enough. Shine emar, the ed en ba. Ed means two. You didn't have two, one is enough. Koshi yeshba, even one enough is enough. 
How do you know a regular guy just comes and wants to say the lady committed the act? That you need two. How do you know you need two? If you want to make Arvat Davar, Davar Davar, and that's what the Mishnah was coming to teach us. If everything is well documented, all we gain from this Mishnah is number one, we can't make Kavah Homer, so everything is documented from Pesukim, and you learn the case of a regular Tumah without a Kirushna, needs two witnesses like the regular Deen of Kimat Sabah Arvat Davar, Davar Davar, Mimamon. Amen, Amen.